from our home to your speakers. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Well, good morning, everybody. We're <laughs> broadcasting live from Digital Hollywood. Yes, good night. Good night, Marilyn is back on the air, at least for right now. So that's good. Here we are. In Here the we are. Once again. There you go. We played that opener music in honor of a very special day here at Digital Hollywood and a very special announcement that we're about to tell you, something that uh, Nina has dedicated the last five years of her life to. And here on Voice America, we have been running Goodnight Maryland Radio uh, for about 40-plus episodes now. Yes. So you can go back and listen to it. It's on our Variety Channel, all the archives since uh, episode number one. I and still get emails, you know. People are still... <laughs> there are listeners all yes, over the world that are exactly. still listening to that program. We continue to post uh, information about it on our site and on our social media. And the fan base continues to grow and grow. But today, as I just heard walking over here from uh, the registration area here at Digital Hollywood, Nina told me that, um, well, I'll let you kind of... This is worldwide entertainment news, my friends, so <laughs> listen carefully. We're about to tell you something really special. Well, good night, Marilyn, is finally, as I got the official that we are going to be coming to the screen in 2019. All right. <laughs> that yes. Even, yes, yes, that even... 2019. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. So... All things that uh, there isn't an act of God or anything else that uh, blows us out of the water, but right now we're on track, so that's good. That's so, terrific. So yep. keep watching goodnightmaryland.com. Uh, the, that's the website. You can go to Goodnight Maryland on Facebook and uh, subscribe, follow, sign up, and the excitement towards the movie going into production. You'll probably hear it all over Entertainment Tonight and all sorts of places in the, in the next uh, several months. So uh, stay connected to that. So Nina... Let's go back a little bit into how this project started for you, uh, because I, I love the origin stories of movies and, and the journey towards a day like today. So kind of take us back a little bit. Well, I love the fact that we're doing a little role reversal right now. So that's, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, actually, taking you back is you and I in the Biltmore Hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> and, and we were going to have a meeting about a radio show. And it was around Marilyn mm -hmm. and about the project. And that was about five, five, maybe five plus years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the day on that, um, I want to give a little bit of backstory because this is fascinating how things happen synchronistically in, in life. And I had told Nina that I had done a, a documentary about Marilyn back in 1986. And sometimes some strange things happen around Marilyn and, and me. And it's kind of hard to explain. Long, long story around that. But that morning when I called the Biltmore Hotel, they said that, um, I said, is there a place there that you have some old movie stars and pictures and in a restaurant I heard it up? And they said, yeah, but we're also doing this exhibition uh, on Marilyn Monroe. And I said, you're, you're what? <laughs> 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 and, and I thought, 
Okay, so I got over there, I saw the concierge. Are you the guy I talked to? He said, yeah, it's right over there. And there's these giant 40-foot paintings of Maryland. So when Nina got there, I said, you know, I have, whenever I do something, I think about Maryland or talk about it with somebody important, something strange happens. And I told her, look at these. I didn't know about this till this morning. And she looked at the big giant paintings and she's like, what? A huge, <laughs> huge art exhibit. And we're talking Maryland all over the place. And yeah. it, was, it was quite synchronistic. Yeah. So take, it, take the story from there. So we started to, to talk about doing a show. And at that point, we were going into production. And just from many people, here we are at Digital Hollywood. You have a project. You want to get it off the ground. And I was one of those people as well. And coming from the marketing and content side of, of media... We already had a budget, and so it was just about executing. So for me, the majority of my career, it wasn't about funding a movie as an independent producer. And I found myself in this role, and within six months, we, we had two offers on the table. So at that point, I thought, oh, funding, that's not that difficult, right? Until it wasn't. <laughs> but one of the things that was interesting about doing the Goodnight Maryland radio show and deciding to do it, we did it as a way to market an independent movie and start getting the buzz. Right. And for me, that was really exciting. But what happened initially is we got on the air and the funding didn't come all that quickly. And right. so we had to have content. And so I started thinking to myself, saying to myself, well, what actually did happen to Marilyn? And just for those of you that might be listening and thinking Goodnight Marilyn is a biopic, it is not. So I just have to put that out there. It's right. not another right. biopic about Marilyn Monroe. It's really about dreams coming true and dreams being shattered. And everybody's dream in this movie is being threatened. Right. Marilyn's, the Kennedys, uh, the two main stars in our movie. And it blends fact and fiction. It's a thriller noir. So the real-life investigation became the highlight, and for three seasons, we were on the air building a global audience, and for me, that's powerful. That's, it speaks to the Maryland fans, but it really speaks to get truth about really what happened to Maryland. So as a brand in marketing, here we have an independent film that now is finally going into production as a thriller noir. We have a real-life investigation documentary series that can support the real-life investigation of Marilyn, right. and we have the Goodnight Marilyn radio show to connect it all together. That, to me, is power, and a power of a brand and a power of an independent movie coming to life. And we've done a couple of live events in Hollywood uh, in two, 20, uh, 2016. Yes. Uh, we did an event uh, that attracted the attention of major media. Tell us a little bit about the... Oh, uh, my gosh. We, we did uh, several events together. So one of them was at the beautiful Formosa Cafe, which right, is twice. wonderful. And that was really powerful because we combined the investigation with um, Goodnight Maryland Radio mm -hmm. and the highlight of, of that movie. And it was really, really powerful. The Maryland fans are remarkable. I mean, they, they really have a genuine interest and love and passion for Maryland and the star. And for most people, including myself, when I first started learning about Maryland, um, what you think is true about the star is probably not quite what you think. So that's kind of what happened with me when I started looking into the real, real life of Marilyn Monroe, right? right. The ultimate dreamer. 
the ultimate yeah. dreamer. Yeah, the ultimate dreamer. Yeah, when you look at her, her life and what, how she started off in life, how could anyone imagine that a girl who was not really, didn't really have a solid family life when she was very young, all throughout until she was um, probably about maybe nine or 10 or around that time. Uh, and she turned into this major star. So Marilyn had an incredible dream. And I think, uh, and, what, and when she started being an actress in Hollywood, if you look at her early films, the Marilyn persona doesn't show up until really Niagara. And you, when you watch some of her earlier movies, you see she's just a young actress doing, on, under contract, trying different roles. So how she created that persona is is a fascinating story to me. I've read a little bit about it. What what do you, what is one of the highlights <laughs> that you know about that? Well, you know, I think one of the things that it would be fun to to t just share with you, just going back and forth, and for the audience is things that we didn't th we think we know about Marilyn, and we realize, wow, never knew that about her, right? One of the things that people don't know is that she's really not the Marilyn character. Yeah. Norma Jean is extremely bright. I mean, she's a bright, bright woman, and or was a bright, bright woman. Uh, read uh, continuously. Um, she could speak up uh, and talk with some of the best minds in history, right? Um, including JFK, John F. Uh, Kennedy. Right. But in terms of her IQ, uh, I, I get varies between 140 and 160. So you think about that, right? Regardless, she didn't have the schooling, but she certainly had the intellect. And she was quite bright, and most people don't know that about right. her. When she was a young actress in Hollywood, she went to night school for several years, learning everything, because she realized that she didn't know. She started meeting people of culture and in the arts, and she realized she didn't know their references. She didn't understand what they were talking about. So she started reading. She was, her library, everywhere she traveled, she took a library with her, and she had all these books of all sorts of different subjects. Yeah, that was a big one. The other one that I think that people don't realize is she was probably ahead of her time. Uh, she was one of the first people, Lucille Ball, Mary Pickford, right? Or, right, or, in the silent era, Mary silent Pickford. Silent era, yeah. Lucille Ball was right. a, a, a production 50s, owner. Right. Um, but she, too, became a, a, um, a starting of her own production company back when women didn't harness a lot of their own power. And most people think that um, she didn't have a lot of power in the sense that she um, would give herself away to men. But in a lot of ways, that wasn't her at all. Uh, it was the persona of Marilyn Monroe, but certainly not Norma Jean. So The Prince and the Showgirl was produced under Marilyn Monroe Productions. Yes, yes. Right? And so a lot of people don't know that. So mm -hmm. I think that's a, a really interesting uh, kind of uh, trivia about Marilyn. The other thing that speaks near and dear to my heart, as well as yours, you know, yeah. being in the transformational entertainment space, we're always looking at how we can inspire people, right? And when you think about Marilyn Monroe back in a day in an era where people didn't talk about issues, she was talking about child abuse, she was talking about sexual abuse, she was talking about family neglect, civil rights, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was, I think that's one of the things that really bring people to relate to her mm -hmm. because she was willing to be vulnerable and be real. Right. And that wasn't uh, something that you did back in the 1950s. No, you know? especially for a woman. That's, <laughs> especially that's, for a woman. Yeah, the more, the more one studies about her life, the more you're just like, wow, how did she do all that? <laughs> and she was saying that because she's so modern, we, we kind of take it for granted in the things that she did and the, 
you know, getting Ella Fitzgerald into a New York um, club yes. when they didn't weren't accepting, you know, people, you know, uh, black people in, in those clubs at that time. Well, and also, um, you know, the, she wasn't, quote, glamorous enough. I think right. that's what the, uh, the owner said. And so, you know, Marilyn Monroe, the glamour beauty that she was, mm -hmm. also knew the talent that, uh, that Mar Marilyn, uh, you know, could uh, yeah. she leveraged that, that she persona. saw in Ella Fitzgerald, yeah. right? She you leveraged know? that persona to do things in the world. And that, that's a really sharp woman who'd be able to understand that she can use that personality and kind of not manipulate people, but she could get what she wanted. Well, I think she could. I think she yeah. was probably one of, a master manipulator. Yeah. And not because that's a bad thing, right? Yeah. I think it's because that's how she learned how to survive, right? Good point. Really yeah. good point. Yeah. 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 I think that, you know, um, she is, uh, if you think about, even though she only lived to 36 years old, Given her background, given um, her her family fragmentation and being tossed around from family to family, the fact that she achieved what she achieved and really lasted mm -hmm. as long as she did is actually pretty remarkable, yeah. given the emotional fragmentation. I just wanted to continue um, our conversation about the Good Night Marilyn movie. If you didn't hear, uh, just joining us uh, on on Facebook or on Boards America Live Events channel. We just announced that Goodnight Marilyn, the movie, is going to be coming out in theaters worldwide in 2019. It's going It'll into production. Be seen. It'll, It'll be, be seen. It'll be seen in 2019. Well, whatever, it, wherever it is, <laughs> wherever it's going to be, yes. whether it's uh, what, and that's actually what I like to talk about in this segment because screens today are everywhere. They're not just on in movie theaters. They're in your home. They're on <laughs> iPads and phones and everything else. That's. Uh, that you can watch content. Everywhere, on demand. Yeah, on demand. And um, sometimes they're live, like we are here at Digital Hollywood. So that's a, one of the things that I felt when Nina and I met, and we told that story before the break, uh, talking about doing a radio show with the film, because we saw that Marilyn's life uh, was such, uh, such a rich life that she led, and then that would be gr a great idea that we could talk about her real life and not the fictional character... That or you know the the how how it was portrayed in the film, but we could talk about the movie and her life, and also investigate what happened at the end of her life. So all those things tied together into this radio show that Nina and I conceived. And but the the idea of doing something like that in recent years is relatively new. There's not a lot of major films that have created a real-life radio show around, and I can't think of any, mean, anybody I, I looked. <laughs> I mean, there people done interviews, of course, talking about movies that have been coming out, but not a show that's dedicated to the idea of what the movie is and, and what goes on in it, but also about the people and exploring your lives from a real-life perspective, like combining you know, all of that together. So I think... Um, in that respect, Goodnight Marilyn, the film as a production and as a vehicle marketing that film, uh, I think we've kind of broken some new ground here as far as that's concerned. Well, we have, considering also, and I think this is the power of Marilyn, that we've been off the air for over a year on live. We're on demand, right? But mm -hmm. the audience keeps growing, which is powerful. I mean, when you really right. think about that. And I also think that for this movie particularly that to be able to really, people will watch this film and they're going to be discussing 
what do you really think happened to Marilyn? And the thing with the Marilyn fans is there's two groups of people. There are the people that think she was murdered or something shystery happened with Marilyn. And then there are the people that think that she either committed suicide or she overdosed. And they're very separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And as you know... Conspiracy (laughs) theorists, right? (laughs) But also just the fact of how passionate they feel about whether their version of what That's happened right. to Marilyn. That's right. People are I really, mean, they're locked in. I've, I've talked oh to a number of gosh. fans and they're like, this is really, it's got to be this. You know, they're and, really And when it's happened. live, it, it really speaks to that power of the passion. And here we're looking at a star that yeah. has been gone over 55 years. Almost, yeah. And she's got 14 million Facebook fans. The last time I looked at the audience for Goodnight Maryland Radio, you know, 100,000 listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, I know, I know. And, <laughs> and, and it's like on a, on a monthly basis, it keeps going, 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 right? Yeah. And so when you think about that, and we're going to be coming back, the goal for us is to come back on the air. Mm-hmm. But when we know that we're actually going into production, we're casting, then we can circle back around and actually start to to build upon these three aspects of Goodnight Maryland that right. have actually been operating independently, but now can come together as kind of a unified front. So when people watch the movie, they come out and they go, oh my God, what happened to her? They can tune in, they can watch potentially the docuseries, and it becomes really a powerful, um, uh, I think, legacy for Maryland too, yeah. because there's so many rumors out there that really don't speak to the truth about what happened to Marilyn right. Monroe. And we've had some wonderful and amazing people as uh, reoccurring um, commentators and guests on Goodnight Maryland, especially I want to shout out to Gary Vitaco Robles. Hi, Gary. <laughs> His, uh, and also his, his book, his book Icon, is uh, the most exhaustive biography of Marilyn I think anybody's ever written, and it's just it's the book to get if you want to read a bio of Marilyn, get Gary's book. Well, I, I also think the the you know the Marilyn fan clubs too, right? Um, there is such a mortal Marilyn fan club. Um, you have Marilyn Remembered fan club. Right. Uh, Greg Schreiner, Scott Fortner of Marilyn Remembered, and then the right. immortal Marilyn Leslie Kasperowitz, Mary Jane Grey, that right. and, and Gary, of course, who right. who really brought so much to the truth behind what happened to Marilyn. And then you also have April Viavia, who's written a book about her as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you look at this um, uh, really uh, passionate group of people that really do love Marilyn. And right. we, we have seen it on the, you know, the events that we've done. Uh, we just did an event last, uh, last August on the anniversary of her death over at the Avalon Hotel, which is obviously... Marilyn lived there. Marilyn had, lived there. You can visit there, and, and the, if you're lucky enough, you might get to stay in one of the rooms. Uh, there was a smaller room and a larger suite that she lived in. But I think those are booked like a year in advance or well, something. Well, and it, here's the thing, though. The, the Maryland fans get together um, on a big basis, the all worldwide, 55th anniversary of Maryland. Yeah. First I mean, week of August Hundreds of people coming year. from yeah. all, over the, all world, over the world, all over the world to celebrate this star. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've had interns that are in their early 20s, and I've said, oh, do you know who Tony Curtis is or Jack Lemon from Some Like It Hot? No, you know Marilyn Monroe. Of course, you know you could be six or you could be ninety-six. Everybody knows who Marilyn Monroe was, or you know. So that's that's really really powerful. Yeah, um, and everyone has their favorite Marilyn films. What's yours? <laughs> well, it's kind of a it's kind of a toss-up. I like 
one film for one reason um, and then another film for another reason. Okay. I think for me, um, I like to see Marilyn doing something other than the Marilyn persona. That's kind of what I like to see her doing. And although, you know, Jenna prefer, prefer blondes and some like it hot or a little bit of Marilyn character. But I like River of No Return. Wow, powerful film. I really enjoy that film because she's in a different environment. She's out and, she, you know, she, she gets to sing a song by herself, a couple of great songs in that, good, good songwriting in that film. Uh, I like Bob Mitchum. I just like their chemistry. <laughs> and they were friends they in were real friends life. They were friends right yeah. before she was even uh Marilyn working. Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh And uh, I don't think he had high hopes for her. I really I mean no, I, I think he, he was quite surprised. He, yeah, I think he was really surprised <laughs> that she became a biggest star yes, as she did. Yes. Knowing her when when cause she was uh Bob and um Marilyn's first husband were friends yeah. also. Yeah. So they, they knew each other, They're the three of them, I think they would go out drinking or something. I don't know what they were doing. But, um, oh, and that's another <laughs> thing about Marilyn. <laughs> Marilyn wasn't as big a drinker as most people think. They think yeah. that she was also, the day she died, she had alcohol in her system. She did not. So yeah. just FYI, she didn't overdose by mm -hmm. alcohol at all. Right. There was no alcohol in her and system. And the other film I like is with Richard Widmark, Don't Bother to Knock. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Where she really, uh, Marilyn herself said she played a little bit of her mother in that film. And she plays this character who's a little psychotic uh, that you learn about. And, and there are some surprising moments in that movie. If you've never seen that film before, I really highly recommend it. Marilyn will surprise you uh, in that movie. And I was just, because uh, she's, you know, like I said, she's really starting to really show her acting chops in that film. And for and some parts of I have to say, uh, her last movie, some parts of that film I really like, like her conversation, the misfits, the misfits, and with Eli Wallach when they're in the truck together, just having a, a conversation about something really intense emotionally, and she's like, "Wow, that was a really amazing scene." Just parts of that movie are just because she was really starting to get to the next level of her abilities as an actress, and she was really pushing herself. Um, she was going through a lot emotionally and physically also at that time, but she still na managed to turn in an, a pretty amazing performance. Overall, the film was not one of Houston's better films and not one of Marilyn's better films, but there are just there are parts moments that, yeah. in that film that are just, uh, just incredible. The other thing I think in terms of the real life investigation, I'm kind of bouncing around here, but... Uh, we, we've talked about this on the radio show, and I think yeah. it's really important today when you have an epidemic of um, opiates yeah. and you have people that, uh, doctors that are still prescribing hundreds of prescriptions each year and, you know, the quick fix, I'm going to give you a pill. And right. for most people that don't know this, regardless of what you think happened to Marilyn, her doctors would be brought up on criminal charges today, just like Michael Jackson's doctor was. That's right. For most people, that if you're watching this for the first time, she was prescribed 900 pills three months before she died. Right. Three months. And one of the prescriptions by uh, Dr. Engelbert, who was her doctor, uh, he's, and you can find this on YouTube, he's denied on camera that he prescribed chloral hydrate. And we do have a copy of the prescription for chloral hydrate with a signature on it. So Yeah, and and yeah. also from this the from the pharmacy, which was Santa Monica Pharmacy, right. seven hundred of those pills were sleeping sedatives. Yeah. And so when you look at the two things that killed Marilyn, Nebutal and the chloral hydrate that Randall was just referring to, those two drugs in combination of each other 
can are, be fatal. Can be fatal at the time. Yeah. And you know, we haven't talked about this, but I really think this is a really interesting tidbit. The fact that we we touched on it that Dr. Engelberg, her internist, and Dr. Um, Greenberg, who was her psychiatrist, psychiatrist right. they were supposed to be talking back and forth. And Dr. Engelberg, not being in touch because he was going into uh, going through a divorce, right? right. I think they got really lax in how they were talking back and forth. Yeah, yeah and definitely got a little sloppy. And, and you know, one of the things that Joan Greenberg says, and I don't think she's, she said this to incriminate her father, and it might have been back in the time. You know, you're talking 1962. Right. Things were done a lot differently back then, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely a lot differently. But her father would play games with Marilyn, and so he would, they would have these prescriptions, and then she would, what she would do is she would take it out of the bottle he would take it out of the bottle and put him in the pocket. And so literally would be prescribing and then trying to hide it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to stay on, I think, are we? Are we? Yeah, let's stay oh, on. Oh, we are. Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's stay on for just a bit. We're just getting <laughs> That was our cue. I thought was, we were going to commercial break. break. No, let's, conti- let's continue on. I just, we've, got, we've got a little bit more time, and I just want to cover. So... What, um, if you can talk about anything having to do with um, what you've learned from the show, and is that going to affect anything as far as the content of the film? Well, it already has. I think when we first started the film, it was very biased in terms of one slant of what happened to Marilyn. And knowing what I know now, in good faith, I had to kind of present all possibilities. And so the writers went back and they... Uh, virtually in the film, there's different scenarios without giving the plot away. And I think it's really powerful because you will get a sense of what happened to her in the movie, but there's also these other possibilities that could have happened as well. And so the bottom line is you're going to walk out of the film going, what do you think happened to Marilyn? Which is the ultimate entertainment thrill ride, which is really this film. And then the documentary and the radio show really give light to who Marilyn was, not only as an actress, but as a human being and really a pioneer at the time, not only for women, which some people would go, oh my gosh, she seemed like such a a ditzy blonde uh, person, but she had so much more heart and she was she really cared about people. And, you know, you and I being in the transformational entertainment Mm -hmm. space, she would be right up there with us being able to, to today's day and age, I'm sure she would be at the height of wanting to really help people with mental illness and addiction. Yeah. And she actually, at the end of her life, um, uh, I always give this argument for people who think she committed suicide, is that she had a lot of plans and a lot of offers on the table. She had just renegotiated her contract with 20th Century Fox, finally getting her due after 10 years of getting very little money for her films. And she had many films on the table. One of the films that I I wish I could have seen, I would have loved it, is that uh, Gene Kelly had wanted to do a musical with Marilyn together, I think uh, based somewhere in the 1920s of that era. And that, Marilyn and Gene Kelly together in a movie, (laughs) that would have been so damn good. Gosh. But, you know, I think that given who she was in terms of her emotional makeup, I think it would have been much more difficult for her to continue the duality of Marilyn Monroe and Norma Jean. They were quite different from each other. And I think any time anybody creates a persona that isn't authentically who they are, 
right. you can become trapped by it. And I think that's exactly what happened with her. Yeah. It, it, it she did. played it so well. Yeah, she played <laughs> it so well. A lot of people think Marilyn is Marilyn. And when you start to read about her life, you realize that's kind of a misconception as far as who she was as a person. The other point I want to bring up, because I think it's an important point, and Gary Vitaco Robles and I have talked a lot about this because he's in the um, psychology field and in self-help field as, as I am, right? right? And we've talked about, you know, people want to put her in a box and say, oh, she was so generous or... Oh, she wasn't that generous, and she was, you know, she was a recluse, etc. And I think what people don't realize is when you're either depressed or you are suffering from a mental illness. And back then, they didn't have a lot, as much knowledge as they have now, right? right? And so, even the drugs she was being prescribed were actually causing more harm than good. 1962, they had no idea. But I think it's really important to understand that you're not either or. She was a very generous person. And she could be a recluse and, and, and show up late and not be, um, you know, uh, let's say uh, on time and ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's key for all of us to know that she was a human being, right? right? Yeah. I think sometimes what happens is we idolize these people so much that we want to make them an either or. And she was a very complex individual mm -hmm. and she wasn't just one or the other. She could be a combination of all within 60 seconds of each other, right. right? I mean, it really, she could go from one mood to another, and sometimes you didn't know what would set her off, but given the fact that she came from a lineage of mental illness and she wasn't being prescribed the right um, type of medication at the time, given the era, to really help her um, cope with right. the struggles that she had right. on an emotional level. Right, getting, or getting a proper diagnosis from yeah. someone who was a professional who could, who could do that. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the lifestyle that she lived hanging around with people who were, uh, were highly public people. Um, sometimes, you know, just being around individuals like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and JFK and Peter Lawford and, you know, you kind of start to have tunnel vision as to what reality really is. And luckily at the time near the end of her life, she was getting back together and building, rebuilding her relationship with Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the one thing with Joe DiMaggio more than anything, you know, that he truly loved her. He never sold out. He um, was the one that paid for her funeral, right? Mm -hmm. um, most people think that Marilyn was, you know, this grandiose, uh, rich, glamorous movie star. And she really did the thing that um, Marilyn lived fairly simply. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, she was just beginning to furnish her house. It was the first house that she owned on her own. Right. right. And, uh, you know, when, when it came to her passing, Joe really stepped up and was there for her. Yeah, that was, uh, and, and you can see it. Uh, one of the things that, that Joe, even after she died, Joe protected her. And during the funeral, only friends, uh, uh, some close friends and immediate family was allowed at the funeral. Yeah, and I think that that, um, I, I know with Dina Martin, who was on the radio show, which is Dean Martin's daughter, came on and said that it really hurt her dad because uh, Marilyn and Dean were quite close and right. he really was quite fond of her. And so, it, interesting in terms of his protection, he didn't want any of Hollywood there. And yeah. I think that was hard on some people that were close 
and I'm mm-hmm. sure I, you know, obviously I don't know what Frank Sinatra thought at the time, but I'm sure right. he felt the same way, given how close they were as yeah. well. I know Dean uh, with her when they wanted to fire her from Something's Got to Give. Dean said, "I'm not doing the movie unless Marilyn does it." I know. You think about the loyalty that that, that you know that Dean right. had, and um, really, I, I I think I remember Dina saying to me. Um, that her dad had a, f- a protective quality about mm-hmm. Marilyn. And, and I think people do, even to this day. Her fans can be highly, right. highly protective you're of her, you're right? You're right. <laughs> and it's, it's really nice. I mean, I think she would be so... One of the things I've talked to with especially the, the Marilyn fan, uh, the people that run the, the fan clubs, is she would be blown away by how many people have loved her over the years and the true mm-hmm. love for her, not just because she's this glamorous right. uh, movie star, but also how relatable, yeah, relatable she is. How relatable she is. That's, that's really it. So I just want to um, close with, uh, first of all, Nina, thanking you for bringing such a terrific idea to Voice America and the mm-hmm. show and the excitement around this film. And, and radio show just continues to evolve and grow. <laughs> and even I when just, it's not live. Even when it's not live. <laughs> so I just want, I really appreciate the, such, a, such a fantastic program uh, to our, our lineup here at Voice America. So thank you for the many years that you've it's been, been on It's been an honor. Us. And we will continue. So yes, watch GoodnightMaryland.com and Goodnight Maryland Radio here on Voice America. Nina, Bye. thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. We'll be right back. <laughs>